This is how not to read Help My Bible's Alive in 30 Days. been there. You ever tried to lay on a textbook and take a nap on it in the hopes that that would work? It, it doesn't actually work. So we're going to be doing hopefully something more exciting than that um, over these next few days together. My name is Nicole Eunice. I am uh, really glad to be with you. I'm part of the teaching team here at Ward, um, but I come to you by way of Richmond, Virginia. So I come in to preach with you, but I'm reporting, um, and I want you to know that it is much warmer there than it is here, and I was not prepared to de-ice my car. I, I'm doing like this, like this was me with that ice thing. I'm like, oh, they give you a scraper at the rental car place. That's probably a sign of what I should have expected, but here I am. Um, so we sang that last worship song, um, that doxology, and I was just thinking about, I don't know if you know that the word amen means it's true. Like when you say that, you're basically affirming it's true. Like what we're singing is true. What we're praying is true. And this morning, as I was de-icing my, my car and trying to like pull out of my hotel with the windows on the side still iced, in Richmond, you just roll the windows down and up. That's all you have to do. Here, I don't think I was driving legally. But as I came to where I could see out of my ice window, there was a beautiful sunrise. Just absolutely beautiful, just totally coloring the whole sky. And it was just this reminder, like we have this reminder of who God is in creation and the things that he's created. And it's like a way that he tells us it's true, that he's real, that he's present, that in the midst of whatever's happening around us, we still have these daily reminders of the faithfulness of God. And what we're here to do together over this next month and over these next 30 days as we're studying this together um, is really to find that this also is true and that we have the ability, we have access to God in like a really powerful and personal way through his word. And that even if you've been in the church for 50 years or, or you're, you've never been in the church or you're new with us and you're just exploring, that we want to invite you to start or restart a really powerful experience with God through his word. Not for the benefit of just having Bible knowledge. Not just so that we can have the right answers. But actually because something much greater is going on than that. That this book, this set of messages that was put together over 1,600 years that we still look to, that this book is alive and active and powerful and personal in our life. But many times we're, we're like the video, we're sort of like there's a gap between what we're experiencing or maybe we just need help sort of getting restarted. So that's what we're going to do together as a community of faith is actually walk through a Bible challenge together over the next 30 days. And you're not late, you're right on time. 
because we're going to start tomorrow. So I'm here to sort of set that up over the next four Sundays. You'll also, we'll be looking at God's Word together, but in between Sundays, you have this invitation to be in a daily experience with your community, with all of us together that I'll be leading us through, of really discovering um, either for the first time or discovering again how powerful God's Word can be in your life. But before we do that, I just want to back up today and I want to make sure that we're really addressing like why we should care about this. Um, I think that oftentimes in faith, especially if you've been in faith for a long time, there's a lot of assumptions that can come with our religion. Uh, a lot of assumptions that we might make um, about each other, about ourselves, about others. And I want to back us up and actually say, you know what, God's word is so true, amen, amen, that we can find the relevancy and the vision for what God's given us here, regardless of your assumptions regardless of whether or not you were raised in the faith or you understand it all, that there is some things that God has put in place for us so that we can actually find life in this book, this invitation into this book. So this morning, I want to talk about why we should care about the Bible at all. And then we're going to look at a passage together. We're going to use just this basic method that we'll be studying and exploring together over the next 30 days. And we're going to look at a passage that I think really um, is so arresting and inviting about a life with God, about why it matters so deeply that we would build our lives upon his word. So first and foremost, why should we care? Well, the first thing that I think is important for us to recognize in ourselves as human beings is that we've been designed with longings. We've been designed to look for a preferred future. Of all of God's creation, it's only human beings who look for a preferred future. My dog did not make New Year's resolutions. He's very happy just as he is. It's only human beings who look and have a vision for what can be, who have these longing. It's the image of God that's been placed in us that gives us this ability to, to sort of look to the future. And in looking to that future, in looking for a preferred future, we end up asking questions. We ask questions like this. If only God would speak to me, tell me what to do and I would do it. If you've ever thought to yourself, I wish someone could really tell me who I really am. If you've ever thought to yourself, I wish I really knew what mattered in this crazy life right now, all these voices. If you've ever thought, I wish I knew the right words or the right actions or the right emotions for this situation or this relationship. If you've ever thought, I just wish that I could find the truth, amen and amen. You've asking those questions because you're a human being. You're not asking those questions because you're a Christian, if you are a Christian. You're asking those questions because you're a human. And we've been built in with this wiring that seeks a future and asks big questions and has big longings. And so we should care about this book if you have those kind of questions because this book claims to have the answers. The second reason we should care if you are part of the church, if you're particularly part of this church, is that our whole spiritual experience is based on this book. I think like more than any other time, in my lifetime at least, we are asking all the questions of just like the foundational matters of life. And I want to invite you to ask the question, what is church anyway? Maybe you've been asking that question in our long separation when we weren't together. Many, many churches in Richmond still are not meeting. What is church? What makes church? Because newsflash, as we get into the passage this morning, the church has been persecuted and scattered many times before this. 
And we're in this time where maybe we're asking those questions again, like what is my life really built on? And if your life's been built on a program or an hour or like a relationship that isn't just the one here, but is like all the other stuff, maybe you've been finding yourself a little disconcerted. But yet, this, this place, this church, this group of churches, the denomination that we're in called the EPC, what we claim is really that this, this Bible, this word, is the foundation of our knowledge. Let's take a look at a very long, I'm going to come over here so to help you pay attention, so stay with me. But I want you guys to see this because it's so important. This is the preamble of the EPC, kind of like what our church is built upon there it is. I, didn't, I don't have it memorized. Okay, here we go. So this is from the denomination that we're in, the church that we're in, what we claim to be true. This is what it says. All scripture is self-attesting, meaning it speaks the truth about itself. And being true requires our unreserved submission in all areas of life. The infallible word of God, the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments, is a complete and unified witness to God's redemptive acts culminating in the incarnation of the living word, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible, uniquely and fully inspired by the Holy Spirit, is the supreme and final authority on all matters on which it speaks. On this sure foundation, we affirm these essentials. So before our group of churches, our family of churches, even talks about what we believe, this is what we write first. So when we're part of a church, when we're part of this church, when we claim that we follow Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we're actually saying those things, that like my life, my operating system of life is built on what this word says. But the reality is a lot of times for many of us, for most of us I would actually say, and for many times in my own life, it feels hard to engage, to connect, to understand how this, how this thing can do that in life, especially when the voices in life are so, so loud so distracting, so tempting when our world is so busy. But I want to invite you in these next few days that you might re-engage as if it was the first time, that you might turn to this and say, what does God really have to say in his word? So here's what God himself says that the Bible can do for us. So we've got these reasons that we need it. Oops, I forgot one. The first is for the preferred future. The second is because we're engaging in our spiritual experience. So here's the third one, real practically. The third is that we need a challenge or a springboard or something to get started. I, I think that we sort of believe that change is, is easy. I think it's sold to us like change is easy, you know? It's like change is really hard. If you've ever really tried to change some pattern as an adult, it is really hard to do. Anybody still eating healthy? I broke my healthy eating January in the, in the, back there with the donuts in the green room just like an hour ago. I was like, but I'm high on life right now, y'all. I feel good. But I mean, that's, that's the thing. We get to a new year and we're like, because we have that ability to see a preferred future, we're like, I'm going to become this person. I'm going to be eating healthy. I'm going to run a marathon this year. I'm going to be so nice to my husband. I'm gonna, we have all of these things, right? And then when we go to do them, what do we run into? Ourselves. We run into ourselves. And, and we, we put the Bible there. We've got our journal, but then we do need to make our tea before we can sit down. And the next thing we know, the news is so loud, right? We're just going to read something real quick and the moment's gone. But I'm here to say, guys, I, I don't think the problem is you or me. The problem is just humanity. Like, it's actually really hard to change. And a lot of us, we need a springboard, we need a challenge, and we need each other 
to really start to do something different. And my hope in my heart is that over this next month, a month from now, you would see this differently. And even if you are like the, the Ken Jennings of Bible Jeopardy, like you know all of it, all back and forward, the thing about it though is that God's word is alive. It's dynamic, it's powerful. It means that something that you read yesterday can speak to you differently today. It means the, the Bible verses that you maybe memorized as a kid can come back in a new way because you're changing and you're growing. And the Bible can meet you there. So no matter where you are, whether you are just a Bible study student or you have never read your Bible or really ever read it for yourself, maybe you've read devotionals or whatever stuff, this is your moment. This is your opportunity to start fresh. This is a 30-day challenge that we want to invite you to together. So here's what the Bible claims it can do for you. If you want to know if it's worth it, if it's worth taking the time to, to engage, to get to know God and encounter him personally through his word, here's what the Bible actually says it can do. The first thing it says is it's an invitation to the thirsty. Isaiah 55 as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent. I mean, here, here God's like, okay, do you understand the water cycle? Like you were in fourth grade and there was the water cycle. And it's like, just like that, just like we know that rain accomplishes its purposes. You may not remember the water cycle unless you are an actual fourth grade teacher. But if you have, remember, you're like, yeah, like I believe that rain does what it's supposed to do, right? God says, just like that rain does what it's supposed to do and it's productive, my word is productive in my people. That's just, a, just, just a, a claim from Scripture. God says, if, you, if you're thirsty, if you're hungry, if you're looking for direction, my word will provide it. It will always accomplish its purposes. Even if you don't really quite remember what you read, or even, but just being in it, being around it, being in the word will accomplish its purposes. That's what the Bible promises. There's a, there's a whole chapter, Psalm 119, the longest chapter in Scripture, I believe. It's like, it's just a love song to the Bible. The whole thing is just this devotion to God's Word. And, and in the midst of that chapter, it says that God's Word can revive us. It can encourage us. It um, is our hope. We can find freedom because of God's Word. Psalm 119, 77. It's not on your screens, but listen. Surround me with your tender mercies so I may live for your instructions are my delight. I don't know the last time you thought of the Bible as a delightful place to hang out. Like, not a place of condemnation, not a place where you're going to feel bad about yourself, not a place where you're going to feel like, oh, I've just got to work harder, I've got to do more to get to God. No, like, can you imagine if you could experience this book, the time you would spend with God, as delightful as a place of encouragement and refreshment and strength. That's what the Bible says about itself. Finally, Hebrews 4, which we're sort of building this whole sermon series on, Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. For God's word is alive and powerful. 
It's not your pastor that cuts into your innermost thoughts and desires. It's not a Bible study. It's not an author. It's not a podcast. It's actually God through his word claims that he can do things in us, essential things in us, intangible things in us, miraculous things in us through his word. Theologian Peter Kreeft said this, when you read the Bible, beware, it will do things to you. For when you read it, it is reading you. Its author is reading you from within. Bibles should come with warning labels. I don't know if you're up for that kind of experience, but I believe that this idea that the Bible is boring or irrelevant, that's a, that is an obstacle that we can cross. But what you're gonna find on the other side is powerful and personal and arresting and changing of the person that you are. I first came to really come to know Christ in a real way. I am living proof of this kind of experience. I'd grown up in church, but it wasn't until I was in my dorm room in college and I, I, I had a Bible and I opened my Bible. I was so desperate. P.S., most of us as humans, as adults especially, we really don't change unless we have pain. Like, there has to be a reason to change. Thankfully, we're in collective pain right now and God can use that for good. When we're all wondering, where is my source? What direction do I go? Like, we're, we're in that experience. And I was in a personal crisis moment like that in my own life as a young adult. And I just turned to Romans 8. I just, it, it just opened, and I read, who can separate us from the love of Christ? If God is for us, who can be against us? And, and I'm here as a witness to say, yes, God actually lit something in me, ignited my heart for him. Did my whole life turn around in that moment? Absolutely not. But did I have a hunger for his word? Because I'm like, I need more of whatever that was. Because I'm looking for that, right? That preferred future. So we're going to look at a passage. We're going to just do a little Bible study, just a little family devo this morning before we close. We're going to look at a passage together. And I'm going to give you just a little glimpse at what we're going to do over the next 30 days. A very simple method. I did not come up with this. This is just fresh language for a new day. We're really looking at a way of questions we can ask a passage of Scripture, any passage in Scripture, and using really just a study Bible. How can we encounter God and know what he's saying to us and speaking to us in his word? And we're not going to just do one book over the next 30 days. We'll be all around scripture practicing this method, finding ways to apply it to our lives. And we're going to do that this morning by asking four simple questions. We're going to ask, what does it say? That's the first thing we're going to say. Then we're going to ask, what's the backstory? What was going on around this passage? What does it mean? That's when we come up and ask ourselves, what's the principle here that God has for us? And then what does it mean for me? Then we ask ourselves, how do we apply this to our life? So we're going to do that together in Acts chapter 8. If you have your Bible, if you want to open to your Bible, if you have a Bible, most of us have like 20 Bibles at home, you might want to bring it. Or if you're at home and you want to pause and go get it, grab your Bible if you want to look it up on your phone. But I'd love to encourage you to be in the Word and see where it is in the context of other things happening. Today, all I'm doing is using a study Bible. That's all I'm using as we build out this case. So the very first thing we're going to do when we read a passage, before we do anything else, this is especially hard for those who've been in a church for a long time and you've heard a passage before, I want you to pretend like you've never heard it before. And I want you to build a movie in your mind as you listen to what's happening here. We're not asking what does it mean, we're just asking what does it say. 
And what you'll find is that you can, you can open up some curiosity in you. And you'll probably have questions. You know it's a good sign that you're looking at God's word with wonder and with eyes to see if you have questions. Even just this morning, God showed me something new in this passage that I've read over and over again because that's what he does. So let's look at it together. We're in Acts 8, starting in verse 26. I'm going to tell you the story. You build it in your mind. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Do you see it? So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandaki, if you say it that way, it actually says Candace in the ESV, which is the queen of the Ethiopians. Okay, got it? This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was on his way home, sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Here we go. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. In those times, it would be very normal to be reading out loud. So he's reading out loud, and Philip says, do you understand what you are reading? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. So the the eunuch said to Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him, but went on his way rejoicing. Can you see the picture in your mind? As best you can, lots of things we don't know, but let's use our imagination Jesus said, unless you are like children, you will not see the kingdom of God. So we're going to imagine this passage playing out. And if you notice, what does Philip do? Philip does two things. One, he responds to the spirit of God, right? The only information that he had, this is one of the things we have to do, is like stay in the moment. We know the rest of the story. We know what happened. But in this moment, Philip knows he's going to respond to the spirit, and he does one thing. Does anyone know? He's got like one question. He asks one question. He says, do you know what you're reading? And from there, off to the races. This guy was so ready to hear from God, so ready to understand what he was reading. So when we ask that question, what does it say? We slow ourselves down to read a passage and understand as much as we can. What questions would I have about this? And if you're, if you're like me, you would have so many questions about this passage. You'd be like, who's this guy? Where was he going? You may not get every answer, but you can be curious. You can start asking those questions. And what I know from my study Bible as I prepared for us this morning is a few of those answers on what's the backstory, that second part of our method. is like, what's going on around this? And with just a little bit of knowledge about this, this reading, sort of, sort of Acts chapter 7 and what's about to happen in Acts chapter 9, here's what I know. Philip is one of the guys who's heard and experienced the Spirit of God just moving into the church. And he's preaching and he's teaching. 
And it says in the passage that because of persecution, great persecution came up against the church. And so they scattered all around the land. By the way, God uses things that seem bad for his good. And as the church was scattered, Philip is out there preaching the good news about Jesus. And now Philip's on his way back to Jerusalem. He's going back to the danger zone where the danger was happening. He doesn't know what's about to happen next. What we know is that Saul, who becomes Paul, who was persecuting the church, he is about to encounter Jesus Christ in a miraculous conversion. But that hasn't happened yet. In this passage, Philip's just going back to the danger zone. He's going back to Jerusalem. And what we know about this Ethiopian is not a lot, but what we do know is that he had a scroll. He was reading from it, which means he's educated. There must have been a lot of wealth to actually have a scroll. That would have been unusual. And it told us in the passage that he was going to Jerusalem to worship. So whatever's happening in this guy has already been happening in him. If he's going to worship the God of the Hebrews, if he's going to worship at Jerusalem, even though he's an Ethiopian eunuch, something in him has already been awakened. And in this moment, in the intentionality of the Spirit of God, Philip is right there, ready to take this moment that God has given him of his purpose to just extend the good news of Jesus. And I wonder this morning, if you had a Philip moment, would you be ready if you just heard someone reading scripture out loud, would you be able, just like Philip, beginning, this is verse 35, beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. If you had a moment and an opportunity where someone was so ready to receive who Jesus is, was so interested in religion or spiritual things or what God's up to and what God's about, if they were reading a passage of scripture, would you be able to take any passage of scripture and be like, yeah, from here, I can take you to the good news of Jesus? I mean, what a vision for our lives as believers that we would be so on fire for the good news of Jesus that we're just like ready and prepared that if God wants to use us in that way, and I believe he does, that the next time you're at the dry cleaner or the grocery store cashier or your UPS driver or your kid's teacher, like, you're just ready. And church, I, I feel like we have forgotten that we must be equipped for this work and that God has said that this is what will equip us. And this is, a, this is in no way a way to say, like, oh, we should be ashamed of ourselves. It's like, no, let's get to it. Let's get to it. Because God has big things for us, not just for our personal edification, but for the way that he wants to use us in the world. Question three, what does it mean? What does this mean? And here we get, sort of get into principles of what God is teaching us. Generally, the principles that God is teaching us is who he is. He's teaching us about who we are as human beings. He's teaching us about the interaction between him and us and about this world. And generally, when we look at principles, we're going to look at that. And most of the time, we should be asking ourselves, do I believe that God still works like this? Do I believe God still moves like this? Do I want to be a part of what God is doing like this? The bar was so low for Philip. Did you catch that? Philip asks one question, and this guy's like, okay, what is this about? What does it mean? And hey, how about I get baptized? <laughs> like, Philip got to just experience, the, appreciate this incredible conversion experience because he, he asked one question. And I look at that, and I think, yeah, like, God is like, I want to use you guys. I want to use you in the world. 
My message is as true and relevant now as it was then. And even though we're not in chariots and we're not going to Jerusalem to worship, we're still people who are on the move that God can use in other people's lives. But are we ready for a Philip moment? And God willing, he will ignite our hearts this year to be ready to see that God has a word for us, that he actually wants to speak personally to you, to me, in the way that we encounter him through his word. Will you be ready for a Philip moment in your life? That last question, what does it mean for me? I believe that God is inviting us to ask the question, how do I apply this to my life? What does this look like in my life? Many times God is calling us to repentance. He's calling us to worship. He's giving us encouragement. He's providing direction. So many times, perhaps, he's even just like leading us more into the treasures of his goodness and his love. And and that's the experience I had just even last night as I looked at this passage again. I've taught it many times. And I was just looking at my study notes again. And I was thinking about this Old Testament passage, Isaiah 53. That's the passage that the eunuch was reading. The one that Philip begins to unlock for him is this this messianic prophecy, meaning it's it's about the promises of who Jesus would be. And Philip was able to say, hey, this and this and this, this all came through, came to be, is true, amen, through Jesus. And Philip was able to do that. But I wonder how long they may have stayed in the scroll. How long did they talk? Because look at what it says in Isaiah 56. And I don't know if they got this far. But look at what Isaiah 56 says. Remember, this was a time in the world where you needed to be from this heritage This is how you came to know the God of the Israelites, right? This was a time in the world where the most important thing you could be is someone who has an heir or who procreates, and a eunuch would not have been able to do that. Isaiah 56, verse 4 says this, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. You see, the promises of God are the same Genesis to Revelation. And what Philip was able to do was lead this man through the Spirit into a place where he had a new identity, where he understood a new covenant, where he saw that Jesus truly was the Messiah, so much so that he didn't even want Philip to leave before he was baptized into this family. That's the power of God's word. Not only to change us, but to change the world around us. And that's the invitation of this season here in this church as we do this together, as I lead us through this next 30 days. We're just going to commit, if you'd like to join us, and really commit to a challenge to say, I want to find myself in God's word every single day for 30 days to see what God can do through that. Would you join me as we pray? Father, you've said in your word that this message that you have for us is not just words on a page It's not just history and poems and letters, although it is all those things. But God, that your word is something more, that your your word is alive and it's powerful, it's at work within us. You've promised in your word that this word can equip us for every good work that you have for us. And Father, I just pray that you would increase our belief just a little bit this morning, that you would give us eyes to see that you are at work, that you would give us ears to hear what your word has to say to each of us powerfully and personally over the next few days. 
And Lord, would you give us a discipline together to be of one mind and one heart, to be able to say together, it's true, amen. Amen, God, that it is true and that we desire to seek that truth in all areas of our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so just a little housekeeping. If you do want to join us in this experience, you'll need the book. Uh, I think we still have some down the long hall if you want to grab them there. If, you, if we run out or you don't have them, we can help you. Um, all you need to do is go to my website, nicoleunis.com slash ward. Today's day zero, tomorrow's day one. So we're going to start day one tomorrow. I'm going to come on Facebook Live and probably YouTube. I'll try to get YouTube up as well at 8 o'clock tonight. So if you want to just join us at 8 o'clock tonight on Facebook Live, you'll get a link to that group, or you can come join us on YouTube. We'll send you that link. And we'll, I'll just make sure that you're ready to get started. And we're going to go 30 days straight through, really experiencing how we can encounter God through his word together, okay? So that's all you need to know. If you have questions, I'll be outside after the service.